0: You're listening to One of One with Sloika. conversations with artists. If you're curious about creators, NFTs, and Web3, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Pam Vos. Let's go. Welcome to One of One from Sloika. Today, I'm talking with Palin Gench, a multidisciplinary photographer from Istanbul. Palin's work spans across landscape, travel, and minimalist photography with a special focus on long exposures. She loves to use soft, calming colors and a clean, minimalist style in her work. Her photographs have been exhibited throughout the world and published in magazines. She also shares her expertise on time-lapse and long-exposure photography through her blog and workshops. She also has multiple sold-out NFT drops on Sloika. Welcome, Palin. I'm so excited that you're here today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me here. It's very exciting, and I always love to talk to you, so it's going to be a fine chat, I believe.
0: Yeah. Another thing I was going to add to that introduction is that I've always appreciated how generous you are with your time to help be a translator for other Turkish photographers. And I've always thought that was so kind of you. And I wanted to just applaud you for the work that you do to make sure other photographers' voices can be heard, even when they're not speaking English in our Twitter spaces. So thank you for that. (laughs) Is it a difficult thing for you to be translating back and forth from Turkish to English? Actually, it's pretty easy because
1: you know everything about photography. So it's like talking in a daily thing. In the beginning, they used to talk zillions of words all at once. And then I asked them to, you know, let's speak a few sentences. Let me translate. And then let's speak again because the audience gets bored when they hear you talking in a language they do not Mm -hmm. understand for such a long time. And then it became an easy process for everyone.
0: (laughs) It's definitely appreciated by me when I'm hosting a space, and I'm sure the artists are also very appreciative, so thank you for that. So I'd love to hear how your journey with photography began. Can you tell us how it all started?
1: Yes, let me start it a little bit. I think it was when I was a child, my mom used to have cameras in her hands all the time, so I was very curious about photography. I'm a 70s-born kid, so Polaroids and Canon AE1s and Kodaks, those were the cameras we had at home, and I loved playing with them. I think that generated interest in me when I was a child. And the first time I entered a dark room was when I was in college. I had a friend. He used to study media relations as a major. And then he took me to that darkroom classes they had. I have an engineer major, so it's pretty different, but I was very curious about it, so he took me there, and then he had a Zenith camera, and he lent his camera to me, and then I went out to the streets trying to take photographs, and that was the first time I was rejected by someone, don't take my photograph, and stuff like that. I guess I backed off by then. I always wanted to take photographs, but the initial incident was I was so curious about dark rooms and all kinds of stuff. And then it was only in travels, I was taking tourist photographs, and I started working college and all stuff And The bank I worked with had a photography club, and I wanted to join the sessions and everything all the time. But I was working in an international line, an investment banking line, and it was impossible for me to match the hours. It was crazy for almost 20 years, so... I think 10, 11 years ago, I said I need a break from work. And at that time, I started everything with photography. Before that, in 2010s, I had a, you know, 101 Fundamentals of Photography course. But by nature, I'm, I'm never satisfied with what I learned in a course. So I have to learn things by myself. And I'm very curious. I want to expand things, tap my potential and all sort of stuff. I was never satisfied with that course. And I kept uh, reading photography magazines and Search things on internet, and I kept seeing those light trails and floating clouds. How do they do this? I also remember people showing me the films, the ones on, for example, BBC or Natio, the time-lapse films, they are moving so fast and stuff, they always caught my attention. At the time I went to the photography class, I figured that photography was basically, from an engineer's perspective, if you look at it, it's basically an optical equation, but it's not. It has to have some artistic side and other things involved in it. I just found myself, of course, again, an advanced one, and I told him I want to try to learn this because I want to do those light trails and those floating clouds. I was not again satisfied and I went to that course, but I started reading all about how to tips and how to use this, how to use that. And I'm using an icon ever since. And I learned my camera and every day I went out for practicing. I think the key to a good photography is of course, you can go to courses and learn and read and whatever. But if you don't practice it, if you don't know your camera and the light, it's just you have to somehow have a connection with your camera and the light. So I went out practicing every day, every day, every day. And at that time, Turkish photography was so different because people didn't know about long exposures that much. When you talked about photography, it was about portraits, it was about countryside travel life photography, or a little bit street photography. But no longer exposures, very limited old school landscape photographs and stuff. So I had to dig things on my own. As I discovered how things look dreamy or how different as you change the exposure times, you change your filters and stuff, as you master them, you start playing with them and you come up with enormous results. And I loved it even more, all those dreamy looks. and I started to guess, okay, if I do this exposure like that, if I do this in this light, if this comes like that, then I can come up with this kind of a scene. So it made me even more passionate the way what you can generate with long exposures. And then it was the time the Instagram started and 500px started. So I've seen a lot of photography there. I loved the initial times of 500px. It was gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful. I've seen a lot of photographers and um, that expands your vision. You want to do that. You want to develop something of your own. And then I figured that I tend to take photographs with soft colors, pinks and blues and stuff. And it's most of the time dreamy, yes, but it's also tranquil with vibes like that because I love sunrise and those calm moments. And I wanted to take photographs of those moments mostly. And if I ever manage to reflect that calm thing of that moment, the real moments to the photograph, that makes me really very happy. You know, it's just, there are times I want to just embrace the sea or I remember times I just go and hug trees and stuff. I really love it. And if I can somehow reflect it to the photograph, then it's just something very beautiful for me. And things started like that. And then I think it was in 2016, people were talking about, we'll go tour around this we'll come just shoot with us. And then I met a friend there and he was one of the Turkish photographers who was passionate about long exposures too. But I don't know him. So I don't even know about his passion for long exposures or right. anything. I take long exposures. I do stuff like that. He was looking at me this weird because, ah, you're like me. And then um, he had a training center, photography training center. And he said, I want to do things that are different from old school Turkish photography. I want to teach people different studio lighting, portraits, or long exposures, time lapses, and all modern style things. So would you like to join us? We're a couple of photographers, so it's amateur like but we arrange in-class courses, and then we go out to photo tours and stuff. I loved it, of course. And then we set up a website, and I started writing there, blogs. And I didn't know that I could write easily like that. And it's we were following all the Google Analytics and SEOs and everything. It hit top. So I started writing over and over. It was basics. I was even writing about what an SD card is and stuff to exposure, blah, blah, because there are many people patching into that training center's website and reading. And, but it was so fun. And we were like every weekend taking people out to photo tours and shooting and everything. So it went on for a while until there was a regulation that required us to close the training center. But I really, really enjoyed it. They do not allow training centers right now, but you can do it individually. So it's a different thing. But that whole club idea, the photography club, came to an end at the end of 2018. And at the same time, overlapping time periods, I started black and white photography, street geometry. And it happened again in a coincidental way. It was 2017. I ran into a college friend of mine, and she said, "I see your photographs. You're taking photographs. You're tutoring and doing stuff. And I'm taking street photography, and uh, we're going on to tours abroad." And would you like to join us? It's going to be just for fun. And I said yes, but I had no single, tiny, teeny intention of taking any street photography or anything. I was okay, I'm going to go to Paris. I'll join the workshop during the day, but at night, I'm going to take the long exposures of this or that. But of course, my plans didn't work because it rained in May. I've never seen such rain in Paris anyway. Then at That trip, I discovered the street geometry and beauty of black and white. Until then, I used to call black and white a very dull thing. And I, you know, life without colors, uh, no, that's horrible kind of thing. But somehow I discovered a mentor. He has been my mentor and we've made many exhibitions ever since. He is really an artist and he taught me how to see things from an artistic point of view. He never teaches techniques or anything about the camera or anything it's all about artistic vision so it develops your way of looking into compositions and how things look like from an artistic perspective so I continued the workshops, but she knew my passion for long exposures. He would always say, you can take minimal kind of stuff here and do your own thing. And I went to the workshops with them, but most of the time I was taking my own photographs. So
0: since then, there are two genres, actually,
1: the genres I work
0: on. Yeah, because the work that you have on Sloika, I think, is representative of that, right? You have these beautiful long exposure, pastel works, then you have these beautiful black and white, elegant geometric works that involve architecture. Sometimes people are in it, but people are like the punctuation to the architecture, I think. Yes, they're like small
1: spots, but it's about showing the scale and also displaying some kind of life element. It's part of a street photography, not really street street photography, because I find most of the time, Street, street photography too, crowded and stuff. I like neat and tidy things and minimal things. So this side of street photography is something that really suits the way I love to see things. I love simplicity and all this elegance. And when I fit that in any frame, in any photograph, that's wonderful for me.
0: Oh, I was going to say just about the minimalist thing and the so-called minimalist Do you find that that's part of your life every day or is it like the opposite of your life and that's why you seek it? It's part of my
1: life, actually. I love to choose things. The things I get to choose are always minimal and soft and they have some kind of elegance with them. But on the other hand, I love to display those beautiful parts of the world or of the surroundings because I think that there is a lot of noise and difficulties and stress and all sort of stuff in the world. So I try to see the beautiful sides of the world because every day I believe a lot of noise and stress by media and everywhere. So we get to see them a lot, but we fail to see the beauties we have actually. We just disregard them. So instead of displaying all the rest, we have to struggle, or other people struggle every day. Maybe if we can display some kind of beauty that's already present, that we fail to see, we disregard. Then maybe that's kind of a naive thing, but we can feel that the world is a better place to live or that just makes me feel better. So even in my Istanbul photographs, this is a city of 20 million people. It's like New York. It's really noisy, huge and stuff. I choose places that are silent and with sea views and beauties and stuff. So it's what you choose to display. I think I have that side too. But if I get to choose, I always choose the simple and minimal and the peaceful side of life. Mm.
0: And was that going on in your photography before you were working with that photographer who said was teaching you like the art side of things? Or did that idea come about during that time together with the Mm -hmm. artist photographer?
1: He is not that kind of person at all. And he always tells me like, you have this joy of life, this beauty kind of thing. I don't have it at all. So his art is darker or his mood, he likes to display darker. His style is very different.
0: But it's your own personal style and I think that's so artful. So I know that you've gone from having this joy of photography and doing this for yourself. When did you and why did you start to get into NFTs? Actually, everything started with some kind of
1: curiosity about cryptos. When you have a two decades of banking career and then I have 25 plus years of corporate life, the rest was in renewable energy, but it was again always about finance and stuff mergers and acquisitions and international things. And then my colleagues, we started talking about cryptos and they tried to convince me, just try like buy a thousand dollars of stuff and see how it goes. I said, no, it's junk and it's, you know, I don't want to deal with that and stuff. But of course, I'm curious. I just bought a couple of cryptos and started following. And then I learned something called NFTs. And then what they told me, there is a platform called you see, I just Googled up and see it was all PFPs and i photography. Well, I started hearing on Instagram photographers posting that they were doing NFTs. So I decided to give it another thought. And then they told me that you need to have a Twitter account, everything Twitter. I think maybe three, five years ago, because, you know, I was reading news all the time. And I said, no, it takes all my time. So I'm closing my Twitter account. I had to set up a new one and the only platform I knew was OpenSea, and I started digging what's NFT. So it's more of what I saw on Instagram, I think, that made me want to see and understand what NFT is. And I always had this question on my mind, and the first time I entered on Twitter, i was always asking this question nft is a non-fungible token so it has to be one very specific one of your own stylish photographs that is not represented anywhere else a good photograph is not an nft a good photograph is a good photograph so nft should be something very special that was all i had in my mind so i was asking how is it going to be sold about licensing and all sort of stuff and i was looking for answers and all about those because I know those things from 500px about all those licensing stuff and all those releases and everything. I was really wondering how this was going to go with the NFTs and no one was coming up with answers. I have no idea about Twitter or spaces and the first day I set up my account, I just entered and I looked for NFT spaces or something like that. And one popped on top of my Twitter feed. And I entered it. I was listening. And there was Subot. He was talking. And there was a Turkish girl. She was trying to talk, but she was having difficulty in talking in English. So I just requested to speak. I wanted to just help her in terms of explaining what she wanted to say. Because I had no collections or anything, no idea of what things were. I just wanted to help her. But by the time my request to speak was approved, she left the space. So we just said hi to each other with support. And he told me a couple of stuff about NFTs. Uh-huh. And that was how, actually, how I got familiar with all the spaces and everyone else. So he was the first person I met in spaces when I came here. I think it's quite lucky, of me considering his interest in NFTs and in photography and the way he helped me, as he helped with so many people. I think it was quite a luck for me to run into him in my very first space. That was good luck. Yeah, that was interesting. And the next good luck, I was maybe two weeks or so, I started listening to Spaces because I figured that everyone I asked, especially the Turkish photographers, they were very clueless about those licensing stuff and everything. I decided to listen to Spaces then all day long. I was listening to radio. So just to get an idea what people think, what a collector is, how to do this, how to do that. And I think it was maybe my second week, I was again listening to a space. And there I heard Eve talk. There were a couple of other collectors too. And uh, there was someone talking about licensing and he was answering all the questions I had in my mind. So I said, that should be the thing. And then I heard he was the founder of 500px Was Oh, cool. Okay. Then I said found the right place and i think that's how i heard about sloika and when i heard about sloika when i heard about you eve and when i saw all the beautiful work there all the website the display and everything you know i said sloika should be the very right place to start the year but actually not many people know about these two incidents but these two were cornerstones for me in NFTs. that's cool <laughs> that's why Always makes me feel like home. It's very special for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. We always, of course, appreciate all of the support that you show towards Laika and also just to the rest of the community, too, because I know you're always right there. Just as an example, (laughs) you just given with your first experience in the soul space, you were like, let me help somebody
1: else. That was really great. That was like an instinct kind of thing. I don't know why I did it. Normally, I'm not that kind of an extrovert person. I never jump into a request board and then do something like that. It's just happened like an instinct. So
0: it's, <laughs> I don't know why. And then it continued like that. Did you ever hook up with that same photographer that you heard that first time? Have you ever encountered her again?
1: No, actually, she was not a photographer. She was a digital artist. She was doing illustrations, and I never ran into her afterwards. Most probably she got scared, and then she left.
0: Oh, it was a good instinct. I'm glad that you're here now, and I know you've helped many others since then. So before we wrap up, I was just going to ask you if there was anything that you want to tell us about what's coming next for you. Do you have a plan of what you're going to do next in the NFT or photography space? Actually, I am working on two IRL
1: projects, collective projects right now. And they started due to last year so. One of them already ended and we're going to have an exhibition at the end of May. We're right now preparing the books and stuff and arranging the galleries and things for the exhibition. It's a documentary one, very different from how I normally work. But apart from my love for minimalist things and stuff, I'm also a fan of, of preserving the culture and history and this one is about the bazaars of istanbul the old ones and they're going to disappear soon because of the conditions of those buildings they're really very old and there are handcraft things people do there and those people are also getting retired so those are their last days so we documented them it's something very special for me and the other one is a nostalgia project about Istanbul. We're going to the places of Istanbul that still look like as if they were left in 1950s or 30s, for example. And we're getting dressed like people were dressed in those eras and we're taking photographs and then we're coming up with really nostalgic vintage edits. I enjoy it very much because I love editing. I love Photoshop and I think in 2023, after the exhibition ends, one of my series will be photographs I select from those nostalgic edits. We might be printing them on platins or stuff like that because we think they're going to look beautiful. But I think more than that, they are NFTs because maybe next year we're not going to be able to see those streets again. So it's a different, a unique one. And I even cannot find places I used to find 10 years ago. I go to those places and they're very different. So I think for one thing I know, it's going to be one of my series, a different one. And other than that, there will be a landscape series and a street geometry, a black and white one. But nostalgia one is something I want to do it's it's one of thing but it's kind of a different thing. So
0: cool. That's staying true to your multidisciplinary style. <laughs> when you embody one of those styles, you just go all in. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, it sometimes
1: gets criticized by some people, but I see it as a variety, as a kind of expanding your love for photography in all parts. And once you have your own style, you can use it in anything, in any genre, I think. For me, it's more of using my style in all of the different things I do. And I never do things that I do not like. It's more like not eating the same food every day, trying different flavors.
0: It makes life very interesting. Yes. And I just want to thank you so much, Palin, for talking with me today. It's always a pleasure to encounter you out on Twitter, Or in a situation like this. It's just been a really great time. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's always a
1: great pleasure for me to be a part of any of Sloika's chats and talking to you. And I always appreciate all the support you show us as Pam, as Eve, and all the Sloika team and Sloika itself. So I think Sloika is one of the pillars of this NFT space, and I really appreciate it. And I want to thank you once again for that too.
0: Absolutely. Super happy to have you with us. Thank you so much. We'll talk again soon, I hope. We'll see you on Twitter.